All right, welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry going. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. So on today's episode, episode seven, we sit down with Julie Chesna, who is the founder of Energy Services Media, which is an integrated media platform reporting on the energy services industry. And really enjoyed this conversation with Julie, learning about her background and how the founding of Energy Services Media was this unique combination of passion for sustainability and this drive to be a successful entrepreneur. And you'll want to stick around until the end to hear about Julie's daily non-negotiables. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we really think you're going to enjoy this episode. So let's drop in. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we are sitting down with Julie Chesna, who is the founder of Energy Services Media. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, of course. I'm glad we carved out some time and, and made this work. You know, as I was preparing for this, I was looking back at some notes and I'm like, I think Julie and I met each other at a trade show. It was probably a year, year and a half ago, whether at Energy Services Coalition or NAESCO. So I think a lot of our guests are going to be curious to hear about the uh, the journey, how you got started, and then also kind of uh, what you've gone through to take Energy Services Media to where it is today. So I'm really glad we were able to make this time work. Yeah, me too. And I wouldn't be surprised if we bumped into each other. Um, Funny story, actually, before we launched in 2019, uh, that previous fall in 2018, I went to NAESCO and ESC um, annual conferences and NAESCO, I had an empty booth. Um, So I wouldn't have been surprised if we bumped into each other. Um, So it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, we try to we try to go to as many of those those conferences as as possible. So, um, so I think a lot of our listeners are going to know who you are, are going to recognize Energy Services Media. But for people that don't know who you are, can you give us an idea of your background? Yes. So in college, I studied supply chain and operations management, as well as sustainability and entrepreneurship. And at that time, the university had recently adopted a sustainability plan. And part of that plan was to introduce sustainability courses into the curriculum. So by the time I was a junior, sustainability actually became available as a minor, and I picked it up. Um, I was really drawn to energy efficiency in buildings. And actually, as one of my senior capstone courses, I wrote a business plan on an idea to build a website that rated college rental properties on energy efficiency. During college, um, I actually also had the opportunity to complete two internships, both focused on sustainability. My junior year, I interned with the Wisconsin State Energy Office, where I independently researched and composed a roadmap on targeting communities to retrofit. And then following that year, I was the program coordinator intern for Cool Choices, a nonprofit that motivates sustainable action in businesses and communities. After college, I took that bachelor's in supply chain and operations management. I started a career in procurement. I started as a buyer and worked my way to procurement manager. And during that time, I always had an interest in energy efficiency. And when I learned about the guaranteed energy savings procurement model, uh, I'm sorry, energy savings performance contract model, 
um, as I was really interested in it because it was procurement. It really, it really kind of sparked my interest. And so while in the corporate world, I always had a drive for entrepreneurship and I knew that I wanted to bridge that gap to the energy service in- industry at some point in my career. Um, so I followed the industry for several years. And during that time, I noticed that there was a gap in media coverage, um, specifically energy savings performance contract projects. I felt like they fell through the cracks. And so I had an opportunity and I reached out to my uncle, who is an extremely successful founder and editor-in-chief of a national publication. And with his guidance, I started to piece together energy services media. Um, And so in 2018, like I said, I went to the annual conferences of um, NASCO and ESC. Um, At NASCO, I had an empty booth because I wanted to start having conversations with industry leaders to gauge their interest in um, a media platform, gauge the demand. Um, In 2019, I launched Energy Services Media. And um, I did want to take a quick moment and just say thank you to those that helped support us along the way and that were part of, um, you know, helped us at the beginning stages. Uh, Nayasco, Dr. Tim Unruh, and Heidi Kurtz, Energy Services Coalition, Jim Jim Arwood, and actually Nenny and Associates, Michael Nenny, all of them were extremely open to the concept um, and helped us kind of propel into the industry. And so um, since we first launched. We've had an opportunity to feature a lot of great number of leading companies in the industry, such as ABM, Nexus Solutions, SiteLogic, DA Davidson, Energy Systems Group, Johnson Controls, uh, just to name a few. Yeah, I got some serious names there. So I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the major players here in our space. So when you first sat down with them, whether it was at NASCO or Energy Services Coalition or conference calls, when you were presenting this idea to them, what was their initial reaction? Because I would imagine, like you're talking about this gap in media coverage, I would imagine they were pretty excited to hear from you and they were excited about the idea. But what do some of those initial conversations and maybe questions sound like when you were presenting this idea to them? Yeah, there was a lot of curiosity. um, And then that kind of turned into interest um, because there are several media platforms available today that that touch on the energy industry and the different facets of it. But again, there's there's kind of that gap um, that for the energy services industry. And so from a PR and marketing standpoint, I think that there is a need uh, to get the to get the story out and to really highlight the customers that are utilizing these types of models, energy savings performance contract, P3, energy efficiency as a service, um, you know, completing those sales cycles and and um, construction of those projects and and ending them, right, is a big deal. And so there was a lot of emphasis and a lot of discussion about how important it was to communicate the successes of these projects. Um, and we had a lot of conversations about really the opportunity to highlight the customer. Yeah, Julia, as, as I'm listening to your story here, I'm, I'm hearing the first part about sustainability and, and energy and working for the state energy office. And then I'm hearing about your, your first job out of college and working in uh, corporate America and, you know, being a, in procurement and purchasing. And then now the launching of your own business. So and being an entrepreneur. So where did that entrepreneurial itch come from? Because I'm noticing that that's a theme here on the Building Efficiency podcast. A lot of people I've talked to have kind of had that uh, that same itch. So I'm curious to hear kind of the genesis of that, where that came from, and what's really been driving you to become an entrepreneur and launch your own business here. 
That's a that's a good question, and actually one that I've contemplated in the past myself. Um, you know, I grew up playing sports, and um, you know, when you walk on the court, you start at zero zero, and you have this chance to you know make something happen, right? And you can really determine your fate. Um, and so. With I always kind of had this drive. I played my sports this my whole I played sports my whole life, and I had this drive. And um, you know, I I wasn't the I didn't go out and sell sell things door to door when I was little. Um, but I when I got to college, I knew I wanted to create something. And actually, in my entrepreneurship classes, um, we started watching Shark Tank. Shark Tank was really was making a big splash when I was in college, and. It was the first time that we were seeing, uh, you know, business pitches uh, broadcasted, right? So I had never seen a small business pitch before, um, and it sparked so much curiosity in me. And from there, I just kind of started to go down this path of what's the problem and how do we solve it? And um, that's kind of gotten me where I am today. Yeah, so for any uh, ABC executives that are listening to this uh... <laughs> This advertisement was free. First one's free, but uh, next time someone mentions uh, Shark Tank on the show, we're going to have to charge you. So, uh, okay, so so good. So Energy Services Media is, is launched. Um, obviously, you're, you're covering the energy performance contracting industry. You also mentioned P3. And for people that aren't familiar with P3, it stands for Public-Private Partnerships. So could you just walk us through, and this could be the 101 brief version of this, what is the difference between an energy savings performance contract and a P3 project? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we actually just did some really great interviews uh, that focused on higher ed um, P3 utility projects. And based, so we interviewed um, facility executives at the University of North Dakota, University of Iowa, and the Ohio State. And, um, you know, the two biggest differences, there's a couple of differences between um, energy savings performance contracting and P3. But when you look at the contract length, a P3 contract is usually much longer. Um, it can be anywhere from 30 to 40 years um, compared to an energy savings performance contract. Another thing is that the operator ultimately takes responsibility of operating that utility. Um, so uh, during that course of time, that operator is responsible. The, the asset isn't sold to that operator, but they are they run it um, during that contract length. And the reason that the higher ed institutions are utilizing the P3 model is because their focus is on educating and running, um, educating the students and running a university, not managing a utility. So that is where their focus was. They wanted to hand off that responsibility to an expert. Um, you know, in some cases, they built a new utility facility. Um, in some cases, that uh, operator just came in and started to manage the current utility. So um, there's several different models that can be taken, uh, which is really unique. Yeah, and if anyone's uh, looking for more information, I think we uh, were aware of a pretty unique integrated media services platform <laughs> website they can visit to find out more information about those projects, right? Yes, energyservicesmedia.com. <laughs> All right. I think yeah, people can go on there, dig into some of the case studies. I think you've even got some, some videos and some interviews out there as well. So um, I think that's something that people should go ahead 
and check out. We can include in the show notes here as, as well. So I think the P3 piece is going to be part of, you know, just in my opinion, where the future of the industry is heading. But from your perspective, where do you see the energy services industry as a whole heading? You know, where do you see kind of the, the future here and how is energy services media going to position itself to kind of ride along with that next wave? So facility management decision makers in the public sector are responsible for answering a lot of really tough questions right now. Um, reopening facilities, safety, budgetary uncertainties, security. I think that ESCOs will be coming to the table with a variety of solutions, not just energy efficiency, but partnering with other companies that can meet the needs of the customer to provide a comprehensive solution. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, we had... um Tim Unruh on the last episode, you know, he touched on that as well. You know, just how ESCOs, energy services companies are going to be positioned to maybe adapt and adjust to this new environment. You know, when we started this podcast, I told myself I didn't want to talk about COVID-19 or coronavirus. I was going to save that for the experts, but it's almost inevitable, right? The clients, the companies that we're working with in this space, you know, they're being forced to adapt and uh, look at different ways of, of doing business. And that's what that's what Tim talked on was some of these major ESCOs out there are going to be major solution providers when it comes to points of entry and contact tracing. You think about all the stuff that's happening, especially on the lighting side and Mm -hmm. using fixtures for gathering information. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how things, uh, how they play out here. So um, now it's going to be going to be really interesting. So I think that brings us to kind of the last part of the show here that, um, you know, I ask these four questions to every guest that comes on the Building Efficiency Podcast. They're never easy, but uh, I wanted to start off here and, and, you know, I was curious, Julie, what are your daily non-negotiables? So my daily non-negotiable is move the needle forward. Uh, You know, each day I ask myself, what can I do today to move the business forward? What can I do today to uh, work on personal goals that I have? Even if it's a tiny baby step forward, um, you know, making making today count. I love that. Move move the needle. I think we all got to be focused on doing that every day. Um, and, and Julie, what what advice would you give to your 22 year old self? You're just graduating from college. And where, where'd you graduate from? The University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Wisconsin Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. All right. You're graduating from there. You're getting ready to take over the world. What advice would you give to your 22 year old self? I tell myself to uh, stay patient and that opportunities will arise. I think as a young professional, you have a lot of ambitions and you're ready to go out and conquer the world, but finding your path takes time and there's disappointments and frustrations along the way and the journey is always changing. So I tell myself to stay patient. Um, I'd also tell myself to listen, listen to those that have gone before you, taking, um, you know, those that have taken the time to teach you are showing that they care and they are investing in you. So appreciating and harnessing those relationships is important. Absolutely. And as far as uh, what motivates you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Opportunity. Uh, So, you know, we're every day we're given this uh, clean slate to work on a project. Again, move that needle forward and the chance to build something, to work on something new, uh, excites me. Um, again, we talked about problem solving. Uh, the, the opportunity to make a difference and build something motivates me. Well, that's excellent. And last question here as we close out the show, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? 
Yeah, this is a big question, and I have enjoyed hearing the previous guest responses. Uh, right now, I'm actually not sure I can answer that question. I think that I'm still working on what my legacy is going to look like. Um, but what I do know is that I went down the entrepreneurship path to provide uh, something for my daughter, whether it be an actual business, uh, financial stability, or even just being able to be more present with her while I'm with her um, doing because I have a flexible schedule. So um, even though I'm working on what that looks like, I do hope to make an impact in some capacity. Well, as a father of a young daughter myself, I can certainly appreciate that. Awesome, <laughs> Julie. Thanks a lot for the time and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. Episode seven with Julie Chesna. What a cool story. And we really do wish Julie best of luck on her new journey and know that she will be successful on this path. So I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. And we hope you're sharing with your colleagues and friends as well. And, and one last thing, if you do have ideas for future guests from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you, loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.